And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Herring. On the phone, we have a gentleman I watched play back in the late 70s with the Philadelphia Phillies and with the White Sox in the early 80s. He's a local guy from Chicago, Greg the Bull Lezinski. How you doing, Mr. Lezinski? Uh, pretty good. Not, it's not too bad. A little warm today. <laughs> it's like fall here, the weather we got here in Chicago. Yeah, it's uh, in the 90s today. And, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. I, I like warm weather, so uh, I got what uh, I wish for. <laughs> That'll teach you. Yeah. I see that you uh, went to Notre Dame High School. Did you play baseball in high school? Yeah, I yeah, graduated in 68 uh, with the 11th in the country that year uh, from Notre Dame. I also played football there. So uh, uh, right there in, uh, on Dunster in uh, Skokie, Illinois. So uh, uh, I had a great time, great four years there, and uh, then went out of football from there. I went to Fenwick, so you were one of our rivals. Yeah, really Catholic, Fenwick, uh, Maris, uh, there were a few. I see... You had a lot of football offers, and I, and as a Missouri graduate, I, I'm a little ambivalent that you you would have considered Kansas, but apparently Kansas was uh, was your choice. Where were the Big Ten schools? Weren't they coming well, after uh, you? No, at that time it was a little bit different. Uh, it was uh, a situation where you could sign a uh, uh, letter of intent with the conferences. Uh, I think you get signed uh, about four or five letters of intent with different conferences. And at that time, uh, uh, I had signed with Kansas. Uh, Pepper Rogers was there. But uh, also, uh, that wasn't uh, my final choice. Uh, uh, University of Notre Dame, for instance, the airport region was there. And uh, uh, we were affiliated high school-wise and college-wise with the university. And uh, he knew, uh, for instance, I was a baseball player, and uh, he, he uh, held a scholarship for me uh, as soon as I made choice. So, uh, you know, there were uh, other places I was looking at it, but I, I did get for the Big Eight at that time, uh, a particular time, signed with the university. You could have been another John Riggins. Well, in fact, I was out there with him. Uh, Bobby Douglas and Riggins were at the end of this, uh, and uh, when I was recruited out there, there were guys that took me around camps. What made you? You've been another Gale Sayers, though. Well, Gale Sayers, uh, believe it or not, uh, took me to a full uh, few uh, Bulls basketball games back in the time. Uh, when he was with the uh, uh, Chicago Bears, and uh, obviously he was doing uh, doing his work recruiting for uh trying to recruit for Kansas, and uh, it was uh, a great time. At the time, I remember uh, going to watch the Bulls play with him a couple times, and uh, uh, he was doing his job for the university, and it worked. So, uh, you know, I had some good times with him. What made you choose baseball over football? Well, I just uh, felt I had a better opportunity. I know that particular time, the Phillies were uh, basically kind of like they are now. They were in a downswing, and I just felt that – I could move through the organization in a quick way. And uh, like I said, at uh, that time, I was uh, 11th in the country. So, uh, you know, kids coming out of Chicago being drafted uh, in the first round, uh, 11th player to be chosen, uh, there's nothing to sneeze at in uh, at that particular time. So uh, I decided to go uh, the baseball route. You didn't spend a whole lot of time in the minor leagues, but what was the experience like? 
Well, you know, I started out in South Dakota and uh, Huron and uh, was there for a brief time, a couple, three months, and then uh, I basically spent three years in the Myers. I uh, went up and went to the big leagues in the 1970s. I was, you know, like 19 years old and uh, stayed in 72. So, uh, Myers, uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy life. Uh, it's it might be a lot e- a little easier now than it was before, but uh, there were a lot of long bus trips, a lot of hours in that bus, a lot of hours at the ballpark, uh, obviously uh, doing more than just playing a game. So uh, it was a great experience, but uh, uh, it's something that, uh, uh, you know, I had a goal uh, to try to be in the big leagues as far as 21, and, uh, uh, and I was. I was the first time I was 19, and uh, uh, I was there to stay when I was 21. So, uh, I enjoyed my, obviously my experiences there. I played with uh, some some guys uh, that I thought were great players, uh, and, and never got shot to make it. But uh, again, uh, you know, I look back and you talk about the football experience, and uh, you know, people say, "What make you change?" You know, would you look back and uh, you know, go go play for, uh, think about playing football? And uh, you know, I had uh, 15 years in the big leagues, a good career, and. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, I had some injuries, but, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, took a lot short in my career, but, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't exchange it for anything. I was fortunate enough to play on four teams that, uh, uh had a chance to go to the World Series. One of them did, and, uh, and, uh, we beat Kansas City in 1980, and it was, uh, a great experience because it was filled out his first, uh, World Series experience. Who was the leader on those Phillies teams when you joined them in the early 70s? Well, in the early 70s, we lost a lot. Uh, and then uh, Paul Owens, who uh, was our farm director, uh, uh, did a great job uh, in selecting uh, draft choices, made some great trades along the way, uh, but kept uh, the base unit together as far as the uh, team, team went. Uh, I came up, I was up, uh, Mike Schmidt came up, our catcher Bob Boone. We were all products of the system along uh, with you know, quite a few other guys. And, uh, yeah, he made some key trades for guys like uh, Nick Bryden and uh, Gary Maddox, who was probably the best center fielder, the uh, first defense guys that I've ever seen. So, uh, uh, you know, we did have some quality clubs, but, uh, you know, uh, as far as leading on the field, you know, Rose came over in 79. Uh, we didn't win in 79. Uh, we, we won at 80, but, uh, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to play with, uh, you know, some great players and, uh, all famous, so, you know, Mike Schmidt probably won the all time greatest uh, third baseman of the game. He was a third. Uh, I went out on my career in Chicago, was able to play with uh, Seaver and, and uh, Tom Seaver, and then also in, in Philadelphia, got in there, Steve Paul, who was uh, just tremendous left handed pitcher. Now, your full season in 72, did, was anybody in particular that, that showed you the road? Under the, their wing. Well, in 72, uh, uh, I was actually a first baseman in the minor leagues, and, uh, Darren Johnson was the first baseman in the big leagues, uh, and he had, a, he, had he had some great years. I mean, he was in Philadelphia and had three years where he hit, uh, 30 home runs or more, and, uh, uh, ended up, uh, bringing me up and, uh, trying to take his job, and, uh, he took me under his wing, actually, for, uh, for a year or so. Couple of years, and then uh, I was moved to left field uh, so we could uh, be in the same order. So uh, I ended up playing left field instead of first base in the big leagues. And it kind of helped that you stole a certain left-handed pitcher from the Cardinals there, who was kind of your leader on the pitching staff in the '70s and early '80s. 
Yeah, Steve Carlin, without a doubt, was a you know, tremendous asset to our ball club. Uh, he was traded for uh, Rick Wise and, uh, um, I think it was in 72, and uh, uh, he was just a tremendous pitcher. Uh, uh, he was our go-to guy, a guy that could stop. Uh, he was our stopper, a guy that could go out there consistently keep us in games. And like I said, uh, he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. How enjoyable was it playing left field in in that uh, cookie-cutter ballpark? Well, uh, you know, it was a new one of the newer ballparks at the time, uh, you know, uh, all-purpose stadium like uh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and, and quite a few other ball uh, uh, stadiums throughout the country. But uh, I think, uh, you know, the Astor Turf, uh, no question, takes its toll on you at the time. And uh, uh, probably didn't do my knees any good either. And uh, it was fast. There was no question about it. It was fast turf. There was a lot of different playing on the turf. There was turf in the grass and uh, believe me it was a relief to uh, get to grass after uh, you know playing, playing a, a long home stand so but uh, it was a good ballpark to hit in I'm not, not quite as good as really feel but uh, it was decent and uh, the, now the new ballpark in uh, Philadelphia is probably even a better ballpark to hit in. Who enjoyed playing at Wrigley Field more you or Mike Schmidt? Well, I think Schmitty uh, played longer than I did, obviously, but uh, he, you know, he, he enjoyed it uh, as well as myself. I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I hit some balls there that the wind hurt. Uh, there's no question. Uh, Burke threw a no hitter there in the uh, early '70s, and uh, Rick Monday's center field, and he often talks about the balls out on the street and blew back, and hurt uh, uh, and uh, ended up pitching no hitter that day. So. Uh, you know, the wind saved them for that day and didn't help me. But, uh, uh, you know, it was a friendly confines, and it was always fun playing there. Well, I was uh, second twice uh, in MVP, Joe Morgan and Foster. I thought the uh, one year she definitely uh, had a share of it with Foster due to the fact that uh, they said the reason I lost it uh, the year before was because Cincinnati made the playoffs and Philadelphia didn't. And then the following year, <clears throat> we made the playoffs and Cincinnati didn't. But, uh, yeah, they came second in voting. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's something to be proud of. I, I always feel like uh, I should have had one of the, one of them out of those two years, but, uh, uh, it didn't work out that way. And, uh, uh, fortunately for me, throughout my career, I was, uh, consistently, uh, throughout my career in the top 10, uh, you know, in voting, in voting and we got a lot of votes uh, in, in previous years uh, as far as the MVP goes. How did the Phillies change when uh, Dallas Green took over as manager? Well, he, he was a little bit different. There's, you know, no question about that. I think uh, he tried to bring in uh, the, the discipline aspect of the game. And uh, uh, not that Danny didn't have it. He just had a little different style. And uh, uh, Dallas was there for a uh, minor league uh, coordinator. Uh, he was actually uh, my first manager in, in organized baseball. So uh, I did uh, I had a little head start on him. He knew what, what he was. Uh, how he was going to be, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, we won it in 1980, and uh, I have nothing but uh, good things to say about how, how much did you hear about the Wiz kid? How much did you hear about the 64 Phillies? Well, yes. I hear more about 64 than the Wiz kids. Uh, you know, Gene Mock uh, uh, went with a couple starters, a couple three starters on the stretch, and uh, they ended up losing quite a few games. So, uh, it was what, ten games uh, in the sixteen weeks, and so, well, uh, you know, uh, 
you, you should look back at it and think that's pretty pretty tough thing to do. But not only did they uh, uh, have to lose those games, uh, St. Louis had a winning to catch them. What, what I never got is when the Phillies and Cubs played in that historic game, twenty three to twenty two in nineteen seventy nine. Why didn't you start that game? I was hurt. I was uh, I, I had a full muscle and uh, I was out. In fact, uh, I believe I was intentionally walking that game. So uh, uh, it was a crazy game, but uh, I would I, I wasn't on the DL at the time, but uh, I, I couldn't go out there every day and play. When the Phillies won in 1980, what, what, how wild did the city go in Philadelphia? Well, probably, probably one of the most unique things you saw, you know, I've seen or I've, I've experienced. Uh, there's no question they were dying, uh, dying for a winner, dying for a world championship. And uh, when uh, we were able to provide this for them, uh, the parade in Philadelphia is probably something you'll never forget. When uh, I mean, there are people about hanging out the windows, hanging out light poles. Traffic poles uh, all over the place. It, it was really a neat thing experience. I think uh, a lot of times uh, Philadelphia gets a bad rap for the sports town it is, but uh, to be honest with you, I enjoyed playing here. It's a tremendous town as far as uh, sports go. How did you feel when you found the White Sox wine at you? How did that make you feel? Well, uh, you know, uh, Carpenter was selling the club and uh, basically gave me a choice of three teams to go to, and Chicago is my hometown. Uh, I knew uh, I knew some of the people that were over there, a couple of the coaches. I knew uh, uh, Roland Heeman, who was uh, the general manager, who I, I had known for known for a while. And uh, when that opportunity arose and uh, the word came came down that I could go to Chicago, that was uh, obviously my number one choice. And uh, uh, I was glad uh, things worked out. I had a great four years there. The date May sixteenth, nineteen seventy two, ring a bell? May sixteenth, nineteen seventy two. No. All right. What is that? The Liberty Bell? This is uh David. Oh, as uh yeah, Bert Hooten. Uh, yeah, the Chicago Cubs, yeah. I just didn't remember the date. Yeah. You hit the replica bell. bell. Yes. Yes, sir. That's why you were about five minutes. Probably one of the longest home runs I've hit. Okay. And did it really ring the bell? Yes. Yeah, I hit right on top yes. of it. <laughs> I'll give you a call right back. Also, uh, I read somewhere that, I think it was the 77 season, it might have been more than that, that you bought 126 load box seats to give to uh, youngsters and yeah, I had the Veteran Stadium as well. So Christie Park had the bull ring and uh, purchase seats for underprivileged kids, uh, uh, boys and girls clubs and things of that nature so they'd be able to come to and see a big league baseball game. And you didn't get a discount on those tickets, did you? No, I just paid for them. <laughs> no discount. You know, nowadays you'd get that written into your contract or something. Well, you know, I was, you know, baseball I've given me everything I had and, uh, and to this day still has. And, uh, I was a fortunate person. It was, uh, just, uh, a little bit for me being able to put back in the, uh, to a game I love a, a little bit of something for some of the youngsters who, who weren't able, who weren't able to see games and uh, attend them in, in, in person. The problem with you playing for the White Sox was 
you had to wear those ugly uniforms. It's thing like every year the <laughs> uniforms got uglier in the early eighties. Well, it didn't bother me. So, you know, the, the game is on the field. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of things they do today that players don't like. But uh, you know, you sign your name on a contract, and that's the way it was. Uh, just go out there and play between the lines, and uh, you know. Uh, that, that stuff like that's going to happen. Veckler and there, Reinsdorf had taken over Jerry and Eddie Einhorn were there. And, uh, you know, they were good owners. Uh, they're still there at the present time. And, uh, they're two of the nice people I met. And, uh, they, they straightened that out pretty quick. What was playing for Tony LaRusso like? That was some great experience. Uh, one of the greatest experience I had. I said, uh, I still stay, stay, stay in touch with Tony. Uh, Tony, Tony's down with Arizona, obviously, uh, uh, going into the Hall of Fame and, uh, my congratulations to him. And, uh, uh, I, I, he was a baseball guy. He was, you know, I, I had him when he was young in his career. Uh, he studied the game of baseball. Uh, he knew the game of baseball and, uh, uh, obviously he was very successful at what he did. What made you so successful in those championship series? It seemed like you carried the Phillies in the late 70s. I don't know. I, you know, I wish I would have been more successful in '83 with the White Sox because, uh, uh, you know, we lost to Baltimore and uh, I would have had an opportunity to play first base uh, against the Phillies in the World Series, but uh, which would have been <clears throat> pretty unique for me. But uh, uh, obviously, we didn't win it. But uh, I don't know. I think. Uh, uh, when it comes down to short series like that, uh, teams that uh, make less mistakes, make less mistakes and, and hit the ball, I think uh, pitching becomes a little bit easier in that situation. I think there's more pressure on the hitters than there is the pitchers in uh, those short series to perform. Yeah, I can still uh, envision Tito Landrum hitting a home run for, for Baltimore. Well, I'm going, going Tito Landrum? To, you didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you didn't throw the pitch. No, it's okay. I missed, I, I, I missed some of those pitches that were coming in the whole plate, too. You know, swinging the bat. You know, we could get uh, burned some more runs in that game. He pitched a tremendous game. Uh, he threw a lot of pitches uh, that game, and he went uh, 10 11 innings. And uh, oh, like I said, uh, our starter did the job. We just didn't hit the ball that series. I believe Jerry Dipzinski. <laughs> well, he made a mistake. Uh, you know, that's part of the game, and that's what we talk about in uh, playoff situations. Uh, uh, mistakes like that are magnified, and uh, uh, probably nobody felt worse than he did. And but uh, uh, you know, situation that came about, uh, overrunning the base and uh, getting picked off at second. Uh, you know, we had the bases loaded. Uh, you know, it's, it's baseball and uh, things like that happen. What pitcher gave you the hardest time in your career? Well, I don't know. I think the best pitcher I ever faced uh, continually was Tom Seaver. Uh, like I said, he, uh, he could win with his bad stuff. Uh, uh, the Mets had a great pitching staff when I came up. I mean, he'd go there for a three-game series and face guys like Hoover, Kuzman, <laughs> Seaver, and Ryan. So, uh, yeah, they were very good. But uh, I think Seaver's type guy that uh, when he didn't have his good stuff, he could win with his bad stuff, especially in his prime. Uh, and uh, again, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Elliot, another great show today with uh, Greg Luzinski and my favorite player growing up, Steve Garvey, two phenomenal players in class acts. 
Indeed. A lot of fun. We want to thank our producer, Dave Olds, for another great show. For Elliot Harris, I'm David Spada. Thanks for listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. 